this fucking guy. Hello, my deep fried pupusas. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast about self-care. If self-care is one long scream into the void. Here's where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and dick weasels that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. I am very tired. Ren Martinez. And I am also tired. Ginger Gollum. <laughs> We're recording this after Super Tuesday, so I am exhausted. We're so tired. So tired. <laughs> In our minds and our hearts. Just utterly overwhelmed with despair. Uh, I I had like deep and visceral dread. Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, and my sister definitely had to continue reassuring me that, like, all is not lost, and I just had head in hands, like, no. I mean... All is lost. All is not lost, but I understand why you feel like all is lost, because it feels very much like all is lost. I felt like... Oh, fuck, what's his name? Do you mean Biden? Hold on. I'm going to do a joke, but I have to double check what the dude's name is in the joke in order for me to not sound like a complete idiot. Always a very solid way to make jokes. <laughs> the best jokes come with having to Google some things. I'm just, no, no. Oh, that's a totally his name. No. So, again, I felt like, again, Tuesday night when these results started coming in, I felt like from the Lord of the Rings when Faramir has sent, his dad has sent him <laughs> off to be murdered on the field of battle by, like, thousands of orcs. And I'm just riding in, like, this is not going well. This is going to end poorly. <laughs> See, I'm still going. This is going to end so bad. When you said that, I thought you were about to say, when Wormtongue got caught on fire <laughs> and just ran <laughs> off the building. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. I still, I'm seeing the impending doom. I haven't quite fallen into impending Yeah, I'm just seeing it approaching with very sharp, pointy teeth. Could be worse. Could be Tulsi. She is worm tongue. She is worm tongue. She is nutso bananas. Um, So, Ginger. Yes. Do you have anything to scream into the void? (sighs) Other than what we've been screaming into the void. Other than what we've been screaming into the void. Like, I will will save all of the Super Tuesday hot takes, because first of all, I tweeted all of them. And... Uh, listeners, I do want to say, uh, Ginger has officially taken over the Twitter, and she is so much fucking better at social media <laughs> than I am. I pay attention to that shit, like, once a week. She is doing rad as hell. So, again, scream, void, screaming. Uh, yes, screaming into the void. So, I was feeling so high and mighty, because according to, like, the anchor statistics, I think our listenership is, like, up to almost 40 people. <gasps> and That's exciting. It was so exciting to me, and I was feeling, like, so high on the hog until um, I checked my Facebook, my social media of choice, and this guy I dated for, like, two weeks in college, who then moved to Bulgaria and started a Bulgarian history podcast, posted that he is closing in on half a million followers, a bunch of Bulgarian history buffs, apparently. Dear, dear listeners, I did not know that there were that many Bulgarians. 
And I don't say this to like slag off Bulgaria or anything. And like maybe this just shows that I should have been paying more attention to his like interests in Macedonian history. Maybe during... that's why you all only worked out for two weeks. Mm. <laughs> you are not the Bulgarian princess of his dreams. I am not. And blessed for the best. But, uh, you know, I may have to go hat in hand and we may be recording an episode or two of this fucking Bulgarian to, <laughs> uh, to try to just up our listenership. Uh, dear listeners, if you don't want that to happen, then you really need to work on the liking, sharing, uh, subscribing. I don't know. I think our listener base is exactly, they want to hear this crossover. I think this is the perfect crossover moment. It it'll it, you know what it'll be a nice change of pace from all of the de- American depression that we're experiencing. That's fair. So speaking of American depression, it sounds like it's time for some therapy. Indeed, it is. All right, Ren. Why don't you tell me about this fucking guy? <sighs> so I didn't actually plan on doing this episode per se. That's a bad way to start. Um, so I was, I was thinking about changing it up. I was talking, I was thinking about doing a topic. So like flat earthers or MLMs or how Disney you, is the most evil organization on the planet. You pronounced flat earthers in the most bizarre way I've ever heard. Flat earthers? You said flat earthers. <laughs> Did I? You said flat earthers. Flat earthers. Well... My point is, I was going to do a topic, per okay. se, maybe not a specific person. Fair. And then I found a topic, and it, it sort of led me to a person that I can't ignore any longer. Mm. Um, so, let's start with Terry versus Ohio. Okay. Terry v. Ohio was a 1968 landmark Supreme Court decision. The court ruled that the Fourth Amendment's prohibition on unreasonable searches and seizures was not violated when a police officer stops a person on the street and performs a pat-down without probable cause to arrest. Specifically, Terry. If the, <laughs> if the officer has a reasonable suspicion that the person has committed, is committing, or is about to commit a crime, and that there's also a reasonable belief that the person may be armed and presently dangerous. Oh, fuck me. I see where this is going. This practice of stopping a person, briefly searching their clothing for weapons, and questioning them, all without requiring their consent and without grounds to arrest them, is commonly known as stop and frisk. Oh, God. There's a lot to say about stop and frisk. There is. And all of its controversial racist glory. Mm. And I'm sure I'll, I'll explore it in another episode. Uh-huh. But what's important for this episode is that William Bratton, who was chief of the New York Transit City Police from 1990 to 1992. Whose name is not Terry. Is not Terry. Or Ohio. Mm. And commissioner of the New York City Police Department from 94 to 96, fully endorsed broken windows policing, which included the use of stop and frisk. Though in 2015, he did explain that stop and frisk was meant to be a short-term tactic for preventing a potential crime, whereas broken windows policing is a long-term strategy that requires the police to engage and work with communities. The point I am making Mm -hmm. is that stop and frisk was already part of New York City's policing protocols in 2001 on the heels of what would prove to be a historic mayoral election. You ever heard of Mike Bloomberg? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, this is, this is certainly the first this fucking guy who's been blowing up our goddamn phones. Yes, yes. Um, another change of pace. I've kind of avoided a lot of the Democratic candidates. I We only have but so much audience, so I was trying not to destroy it. And, and I think both of us are sort of fairly vote blue no matter who uh, proponents. I may go back on that <laughs> after this episode, but he's also dropped out, so... So, yes, Mike Bloomberg, former mayor of the Big Apple himself, the ninth richest person in the world with a net worth of $59.6 billion. How?! Yeah, the ninth richest person in the world. Uh, Bloomberg was, until very recently, a Democratic candidate for President of the United States. But even though he just renounced his candidacy, Mike Bloomberg is not going anywhere. So we might as well talk about what a fucking fuck he is. (laughs) So according to the bio on his campaign website... Bloomberg grew up outside of Boston in a middle-class family. His he fa- was born a poor black child. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, his father was a bookkeeper for a dairy company, and both of his grandfathers were immigrants, one from Russia and the other from modern-day Belarus. Apparently, when he was 12 years old, he became one of the youngest Eagle Scouts in history. And it's one of those achievements that I know is praiseworthy, but the only people I hear bragging about them are completely Mm -hmm. insufferable. Mm -hmm. He went to Johns Hopkins University, eventually graduating with a degree in electrical engineering. Bloomberg is quick to point out that, in order to pay for college, he worked in a parking lot and took out government loans. You see, Ginger, he's just like you and me. Did he work for the parking lot or was he panhandling? I think the implication is that he was working for the parking lot as a parking lot attendant. He was one of those guys that was spray painted silver and he was doing the robot <laughs> a living, in a parking lot. A living statue. A living statue. <laughs> so continuing in that bio, after working his way through college and Harvard Business School, Mike then took an entry-level job with a financial services firm and worked his way up to partner. Weird thing to do with an electrical engineering degree. Isn't it? Hmm. Well, let's break that down a little bit. Okay. That that uh, financial services firm that he mentions, first of all, I keep hearing bells in the background. Hey! Stop it! That is probably your husband. It's Your I husband, mean, fiancé man. Yes. Partner. My boyfriend, fiancé husband. <laughs> the international Jew, <laughs> as you have been known to call him. And if I've edited that out of previous podcasts, then this makes no fucking sense. <laughs> no, it's sense. definitely been in previous right, podcasts. Right. Um, so that financial services firm where he had his entry-level job was Solomon Brothers, a large Wall Street investment bank that, at the time of the September 11th attacks in 2001, was the largest tenant in Seven World Trade Center, occupying 64% of the building. Which wow. In- right? Included floors 28 through 45. Jesus Christ. Yes. According to Wikipedia, in June 1997, its recorded revenue was $4 billion. Some might say that's too many. The small financial services firm. She's a little financial company. Solomon Brothers was noted for its innovation in the bond market, specifically for selling the first mortgage-backed security, or MBS, in which they purchased home mortgages from thrifts throughout the United States 
and packaged them into these MBSs, which oh. the firm then sold to local and international investors. MBSs have oh. a variety of subtypes and classifications, all of which are very boring. But the term worth remembering is subprime, as in low-quality mortgage-backed securities backed by subprime mortgages that in the United States causes little snafu called the 2008 Great Recession. Uh, (laughs) Counterpoint, is Mike Bloomberg why I got my house so cheap? (laughs) He fucked everybody else, but fuck you, got mine. The Michael Bloomberg story. Got mine. The Michael Bloomberg. So in 1973, Mike Bloomberg made partner at Solomon Brothers, which again, pioneered the financial instrument that would one day obliterate the American economy. Cool, 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 cool. (laughs) And where the firm's top bond traders apparently called themselves big swinging dicks. That sounds like a really uh, bad, like, retro jazz band. Cheery Pop and Daddy's Big Swingin' Dicks. (laughs) You can just edit that right out. (laughs) But good things must come to an end. Once again, from his campaign bio, one day in 1981, he was laid off. It turned out to be a moment that would define the rest of his life. And it's true. Mike was laid off with a measly $10 million cash buyout of his partnership stake, Uh also known as a golden parachute. Ah, Truly, a story we can all relate to. (laughs) So again, quote, Mike decided to start his own company, beginning in a one-room office with a groundbreaking idea far ahead of its time. If Mike's new business could distribute financial information widely, it would democratize financial information, empowering investors in smaller firms, and result in dramatically improved returns for pensioners and retirees. I'm sure the giant Wall Street investment firms and brokers had nothing to do with this business plan, but it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, quote, people told him it was a waste of time and that his idea would never work, but Mike believed in the idea and worked long days and nights. So with his $10 million buyout, or payout, sorry, Bloomberg, having already designed in-house computerized financial systems for his previous firm, set up a data services company named Innovation Market Systems, which he renamed Bloomberg LP in 1986. He knew that Wall Street would pay top fucking dollar for high-quality business information delivered instantaneously via these newfangled fancy devices called computers. So essentially, the company sold these customized computer terminals. They deliver real-time market data uh, financial calculations, and other analytics to Wall Street firms. No matter what you do, my brain's going to keep auto-completing bond to bondage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Which makes Mike Bloomberg so much more interesting. <laughs> Daddy Bloomberg. Anyway, pull himself up by his $10 million bootstrap Bloomberg finally became successful. Mm. To put mm. it in perspective, as of October 2015, the company had more than 325,000 terminal subscribers worldwide. Subscription to use these terminals cost 24000 a year. Discounted to 20000 if you have two or more. Oh what boy. a steal. 
As of 2019, Bloomberg LP employs 20,000 people in dozens of locations, and the company also includes a wire service, Bloomberg News, a television network, Bloomberg Television, websites, radio stations, subscription-only newsletters, and two magazines, Bloomberg Business Week and Bloomberg Market. In 2018, the company earned approximately $10 billion. Well, what other things has this $10 billion company and its intrepid leader done? In 1996, former Bloomberg LP sales representative Marianne Olszewski sued the company alleging that she was drugged and raped by her supervisor, Brian Lewis. Ah, and, very chill. <laughs> and claimed she was terminated shortly after reporting the incident. Ugh. The lawsuit also alleged the company conducted an internal investigation of Olszewski, attempting to get her co-workers to portray her as flirtatious or a sex hound, Ugh. which is the most boomer Ugh. phrase possible. Ugh. No one calls each other sex sounds that's not a thing no but they do well in the westminster dog show <laughs> Ooh, that afghan what a sex hound <laughs> now bringing up the sex hound category <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> this investigation eventually resulted in a 60 page report of Ozeski that the company attorneys refused to turn over in litigation I don't think she was very provocative, and I keep telling them I'm not going to change my words, said Michael Med, who complained at the time that the company was pressing him for a name of a client who could provide a bad character portrayal of Olszewski. <sighs> Meanwhile, the accused rapist remained in a top position throughout the litigation process, because of fucking course he did. Mm. Also, attorneys for Lewis and the company successfully thwarted repeated attempts by Olszewski to determine if the company was paying Lewis's personal legal bills. This is something they will not answer to this day. Yeah, yeah, a thing that innocent people do. Super innocent people. So innocent. Bloomberg took the position that Olszewski's refusal to cooperate with the internal probe, which again was trying to brand her as a slut, combined with the fact that she didn't report the rape until two years later, because clearly this is a company culture that supports victims of assault, made him skeptical of the allegation. Mm. He admitted in the deposition that he never spoke to either Olszewski <sighs> or Lewis about the charge. A well-informed <laughs> guy. The best way to have information about investigation is to not talk to anybody yeah. involved yeah. in it. Though he testified he knew Lewis and could vaguely picture Olszewski and admitted he neither read anything about rape nor consulted rape experts when the charge surfaced. So again, the best way to conduct investigations are to be as ill-informed yeah, as possible. Yeah, just do n nothing. Nothing. Nothing just at all. nothing. I mean, I'd like, in a way, I don't expect him to do his own investigations, but also, and to a much greater extent, <sighs> as I drink this Corona, that which was apparently on sale. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh, today in the this fucking guy pod loft. Uh, Ren is drinking a Corona because those were on sale, and I am drinking some sparkling sake, which was also on sale <laughs> because Americans are real dumb and racist. So true. So true. One of the sticking points for Bloomberg's skepticism was that Lewis was not Ozeski's supervisor at the time the alleged rape occurred. But he did become her boss very soon afterwards. Cool. Though Lewis was a senior executive within the sales department, 
Bloomberg stated that it was only a violation of company policy if supervisors had sex with subordinates who reported to them. So it's the only time it's hinky. Only time. Only hink. Bloomberg also stated in the deposition that he very graciously offered to transfer Ozeski out of Lewis's unit, meaning she would still be working on the same wide-open sales floor without any offices or partitions as Lewis, still a supervisor in her department. How generous. How kind. When he was asked why the company didn't offer to move Lewis, the accused rapist, Bloomberg noted that he seemed content where he was. What? He seemed content where he was in a position of power <laughs> over this woman that he eventually assaulted. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Content. Bloomberg also testified that he did not find the allegation genuine because there was not an unimpeachable third-party witness present during the alleged event. Oh, yeah, you know that thing <laughs> that you usually have in sexual assaults? <laughs> Well, just a third person that just kind of stood there and watched the whole thing with binoculars did nothing yet is unimpeachable. He did elaborate that there are times when three people are together. What? <laughs> yes. Well, that's why there should be third witnesses because, you know, sometimes three people are in a room at the same time. Yes. It doesn't just skip from two to four. <laughs> what? Oh, God. Anyway, Olzeski's case was eventually dismissed, but not on its merits. Rather, it was because Olzeski's attorney had missed the deadlines to respond to a motion to end the case. Mm. In an incredible article by The Village Voice, which is in our citations, they describe how Olzeski dropped that lawyer and attempted to represent herself on appeal, (laughs) eventually (laughs) eventually losing. In 2000, another attorney... David Mayer, began pressing a motion to vacate the default judgment against Ozeski's case on the basis that her prior lawyers allegedly had mental illness that resulted in the missed deadlines. Bloomberg attorneys resisted, leading to the courts denying Ozeski's subpoena for her prior lawyers' medical and disciplinary records. But the district court judge, Robert Patterson, who was the judge who had dismissed the case in 1999, was clearly conflicted, saying at an October 2000 hearing that his concern was that there be justice here and not be some technicality standing in the way of justice. So, accusing Olzeski's prior attorney of, quote, raping this defense by not responding in a timely manner. Oh, very cool turn of phrase. Judge Patterson issued a ruling on December 12th, which gave Olzeski 28 days to file the vacate papers he all but asked for. So essentially this judge is like, your attorney fucked up. Like, he fucked, fucked up. He fucked up. Mm. I am giving you this golden opportunity to to do what you need to do not in to, order to have this case heard. Not to derail, but as you're saying this, I'm realizing that, like, the legal profession is the only profession I can think of where, like... Pretty much at least half of it is just mechanisms for when the people who practice that job fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a lawyer. Um, had Olzeski submitted a motion to overturn the default ruling and Patterson had granted it, which again, he pretty much intimated that he would, 
the case would have very much been alive during Bloomberg's mayoral campaign. Cool. Patterson even extended the deadline, but Olszewski never filed the motion, and the case was closed on February 20th, 2001. Within six days of closing the case, Olszewski, who was once described as being unable to pay the court disbursement costs, moved into a luxury condo in Miami Beach, a two-bedroom, 2,000-square-foot hmm. apartment which sold for about $840,000. Mm-hmm. hmm Though once she sought out reporters to discuss the case, she hung up on The Voice when asked about Bloomberg, refused to answer questions, and demanded that they not call her again. Her attorney, David Mayer, did not return calls and, when reporters visited his Wall Street office, threatened to have them removed by security, yelling, I'm not answering anything, and if I wanted to speak about it, I would have returned your call. You know, like innocent people. (laughs) When questioned, a Bloomberg spokeswoman promised that the company had made no payments of any sort to Olszewski or Mayer. So a true mystery for the ages. A true mystery. Mm -hmm. This is bad podcasting. They can't see us making shrug emoji faces. (laughs) Shrug emoji. (laughs) So you just have to say it. Uh, In 1997, former Bloomberg LP sales executive Sekiko Sekai Garrison also filed a lawsuit against the company and Michael Bloomberg, alleging Mm. sexual harassment and wrongful termination. The suit claimed that Ms. Garrison was continually subjected to a hostile work environment of persistent sexual harassment as well as racial discrimination. Women who worked there were encouraged by Bloomberg, as well as other top administrators, to wear provocative clothing. What? Yep. In fact, the sales force at Bloomberg LP was known for being predominantly female, young, attractive, and clad in short skirts. Apparently, it was claimed that these short skirts were necessary for promotions. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is turning into a much sketchier episode of Mad Men, which was already <laughs> which sketchy, was already sketchy. But at least with the with the film quality was like very well directed sketchy. The company culture of Bloomberg LP was compared to that of a frat house, which is the fucking worst of comparisons. Yeah, where employees often bragged about their sexual exploits. Sexual comments and body shot drinking games at company parties were commonplace. And I cannot tell you how very much I don't want to ever do body shots with any of my coworkers. Oh, no. Not at all. No. That is probably the most horrifying thing I could think of. That's a punishment. I love you, but I'm not doing body shots with you. (laughs) Hey, at least with you, we're like friends. I'm imagining like old man Rufus being like, all right, ladies. (laughs) Come for the body shots, and I'm like, oh god, oh god! You've just made all of our colleagues unsubscribe to this podcast. There were also incidents like the office display of a brochure for sex toys, a female blow-up sex doll, Mm. and rubber breasts that squirted liquid from the nipples. Why though? Because it's a frat house full of money. But was that like where they put the coffee creamer? (laughs) <laughs> Actually, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> no, I think it was just I, I. I have the image more of kind of like, like, like pool toys. So like you can squirt people when they're not looking. Like I here's mean, a boob squirt. I mean, it's gross. But if it was gross and served a function, I'd probably feel at least slightly differently. No, it was definitely used to like squirt water at these women forced to wear short skirts. 
Cool. Or they wouldn't be promoted. Anyway. Anyway. Garrison alleged that when she told Bloomberg that she was pregnant, he told her to kill it. Ah, that incident. That's this incident. And said, great. Number 16. Which was referring to the number of women in the company who were pregnant on maternity leave at the time. Out of how many? Apparently a whole sales floor of short, skirt-clad women. Her suit describes how women who were married or had children lost lucrative bonuses, had their pays cut, and were denied business opportunities. Garrison Mm. also claimed that, upon the announcement of a male colleague's upcoming nuptials, Bloomberg said to his female staff, All you girls line up to give him a blowjob as a wedding present. Ah, like a cool boss. Like the coolest boss. The suit described another incident in which Bloomberg berated a female employee who had trouble finding a nanny. This is also one of the quotes I've been making headlines lately, saying, It's a fucking baby. All it does is eat and shit. Doesn't know the difference between you and anyone else. All you need is some black who doesn't even have to speak English to rescue it from a burning building. Whoa! Wild. Whoa! Completely wild. I I had not heard that. It is. Oh, boy. He said that. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Does this man have children? Two. Two daughters. Because, of course, he has daughters. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't know how to treat women until I had my daughters. It's a lie. It's a lie. I mean, he did not know how to treat women up until he had his daughters. He also did not know how to treat women after he had his daughters. (laughs) One of his daughters apparently is like BFS with Ivanka Trump. That sounds right. That sounds right. Bloomberg denied making these comments and claimed that he passed a lie detector test validating his denial. He did decline to release those results. (laughs) Like an innocent person. (laughs) Like super innocent people do. What Bloomberg reportedly did concede is that he made comments about Garrison and other women, specifically that he said, I'd do her. In making this concession, however, he insisted that he, sorry, it, it's taking me a moment to say this because it's so stupid and a lie. <clears throat> he insisted that he had believed that to do someone meant merely to have a personal relationship with that person. No, <laughs> no, no. 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 Virginia. No. You and I no. are like besties. No. I just so I want to do you all no. the time. I mean I've long suspected, but no. 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 What he, the fuck? He does not believe that. No, he does not. The company did not admit any wrongdoing, but settled the lawsuit out of court in two thousand. Yeah. In September two thousand seven, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission otherwise known as the EEOC, filed a class action lawsuit against Bloomberg LP on behalf of more than 80 female employees who argued that the company engaged in discrimination against women who took maternity leave. Yeah, sounds like. (laughs) Sounds like it, don't it? According to the EEOC's corresponding press release, some women were replaced by more junior male employees as the same pregnant women and new mothers were excluded from management meetings and subjected to stereotyping about their abilities to do their jobs because of their family and caregiver responsibilities. But what else is new? (laughs) What else is fucking new? Complaints made by the women to Bloomberg's Human Resources Department were dismissed. 
However, the case was dismissed in August 2011 by Judge Loretta A. Preska of the Federal District Court in Manhattan, writing that the EEOC did not present sufficient evidence to support their claim. Mm. According to a 2013 Reuters article, Judge Preska stated that letting the case continue would severely undermine, if not completely eviscerate, Title VII's enforcement procedures and expand EEOC power far beyond what Congress intended and greatly increase litigation costs. Furthermore, the judge concluded that Congress surely did not intend that employers, even ones whose workplaces might be rife with sexual discrimination, face the moving target of allegedly aggrieved persons that Bloomberg faced. What? Yeah, I couldn't, I, I didn't have time to look it up, but um, I was I was curious about who might have donated to her re-election campaigns. Yeah, I don't know. I mean. If anybody cares to research that yeah. wants to tweet at us. I just didn't have the time, but you know, it's. Yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Um, but it's clear that Bloomberg LP took its cues from the man himself. Bloomberg once told a reporter, I like theater, dancing, and chasing women. And let me put it this way. I'm a straight, single billionaire in Manhattan. What do you think? It's a wet dream. Ew. Ew. And is my... Ew. <laughs> Ren, can I ask you kind of a Sophie's Choice style question? Oh, God, I guess. Would you rather watch Michael Bloomberg have sex or your own parents? Oh, my own parents. Okay. At least I know that that sex is copulated in love and affection and genuine trust and not someone who thinks that they can lie about their employees getting sexually harassed yeah and has a you know sty of women in short skirts i think i meant stable and not sty that... <laughs> i was about to be like what animal paddock are you trying to yeah reference? no I, I i somehow made that even grosser than it was also i really hope that your parents start listening to this podcast uh, every time I try to get my dad to listen to it, but I mention our topics, he's like, nope. Well, tell him that you talk about him having sex in it. <laughs> in his 1997 autobiography, Bloomberg by Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> Glad that tickles you. It's better than any joke you could make. <laughs> Bloomberg by Bloomberg. <laughs> The mogul bragged about keeping a girlfriend in every city during his years working on Wall Street. When he was describing his computer terminal, you know, the one that made him billions of dollars, mm -hmm. he said, It will do everything, including give you a blowjob. I guess that puts a lot of you girls out of business. Don't like that. <clears throat> Don't like that at all. Bloomberg has reportedly made such comments, such as, Look at the ass on her. I'd fuck that in a second. And nice tits about women in his workplace. Again, the CEO of that workplace, the man in the highest position of power, the ninth richest man on the planet. Going up to his short-skirted young female staff and saying, nice tits. Yeah, none of this surprises me. I don't know if it's supposed to. No. It doesn't. It's just horrible. Yeah. In 2003, he told a pair of DJs on a radio program that he would really want to have Jennifer Lopez. A day later, 
He told reporters that what he meant was that he would want to have dinner with her. Because that's what that means. Have a personal relationship with her. <laughs> he, he, it's nothing dirty. He just wants to do her. <laughs> He'll even take a lie detector test that he will not show you the results of. In another deposition, he's he's made a lot of depositions. Yeah. He's been in I'm getting that. a lot of depositions. Um, he was asked, have you ever made a comment to the effect that you would like to do that piece of meat? Or I'd do her in a second. Bloomberg replied, I don't recall ever using the term meat at all. Because that's the qualification. <laughs> oh my god, Ginger. Ginger's face <laughs> is like she has literally eaten a lemon. Like a whole lemon. <laughs> it's the sourest face I have ever seen. <laughs> all her features have retreated inward. Yeah. I don't recall ever using the term meat at all. Oh, God, I hate so much of that. <sighs> but running a million-dollar company and sexually harassing all of his female employees is small time for a man like Mike Bloomberg. No, this is a man with vision. And that vision came to fruition in 2001 when Bloomberg left his position as CEO and all of his empo- female employees sighed a sigh of relief. To embark on the next part of his journey, announcing his candidacy for mayor of New York City. Oh boy. And this is the first official this fucking guy two-parter. <laughs> because next time we're going to have to talk about Bloomberg as mayor. <laughs> and because Ren knows if she goes through this whole thing, it will literally kill me. <laughs> Have to break it up into have to break it up into digestible bits so I don't projectile vomit all over my co-host. So, so what do you think, Ginger? I didn't uh, like. Okay, I knew people didn't like Mike Bloomberg, and I, you know, I generally agree with the wisdom that nobody should be a billionaire because you should like nobody makes a billion dollars without like, on their own people yes yeah without exploiting a significant number of people and you can't possibly spend it all and but i didn't realize like quite the degree of ick and i also didn't realize that my face would implode <laughs> when you start talking about doing meat like a super like a like a supernova just yeah, it's um when I was researching this episode because again I decided I kind of had to talk about Mike Bloomberg. Yeah. Um, I started doing all this research and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was asked my husband, I was like, "Can I? Do I have to cut this down?" He's like, "I didn't know any of this. You need to, <laughs> no. The world needs to know." He does his best to make sure nobody knows any of it. I'll be surprised if we don't get fucking cease and desist. Although that means all of these are cited. All of these are cited. <laughs> From articles, I even read some of uh, Sakai's yeah. Garrison's deposition. Like, I actually read her suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, let, let us just add, though, to be on the safe side. Allegedly. 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 allegedly, allegedly. But he did it. But allegedly. allegedly. So, um. Susie Cream Cheese, are we good? Are we good? Are we good? We're good. We're good. So after that, I think it's time to come up with a self-care plan. Please, God, yes. 
So I decided to focus on frugal self-care tips because not all of us are laid off from prestigious <clears throat> Wall Street investment banks and uh, given a $10 million golden parachute. Not all you of You weren't? Us. No, not recently. <laughs> um, not in years. Visit your local library. Always free and full of knowledge, visit your local library to read the newest bestsellers, learn new things, or get connected to your community. All you need is a library card, which will do everything and will not in any way sexually harass you. Watch funny videos on YouTube. Cat videos are the internet's best gift to humanity. Wind down with some Vine compilations or animatics inspired by podcasts and rest with the knowledge that you no longer have to skip through another Mike Bloomberg for President ad. <sighs> Call a loved one to tell them you love them. And also tell them to listen to this episode so they can hate Mike Bloomberg with as much fury as I do. Mm -hmm. ah! <laughs> so there, there you go. Those are not some self-care for ya. Well... Well, I know we started off this episode tired. Are you still tired? I am. <laughs> Have you woken up? I've traveled through space time and exists <laughs> and have existed and born and died several times since this episode started. I am both exhausted and rejuvenated. Well, I'm glad this put a little pep in your step. Because that's going to be all for us this week, folks. If you like what you're hearing, you should check us out on thisfnguypod.com or on Twitter, which I am now running. It's <laughs> mostly delightful memes. Please follow us at thisfnguypod or donate to our Patreon because we're poor. Yes, we don't have that $10 million payout. That we don't have that $10 million payout. I was also going to add, not to, not to deviate too far from, you know... Our, our our night our good night ritual, um, but if anybody cares to uh, leave us a good rating and review on um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of those places where you yeah. can leave such a good review, um, we will read your name at the end of the next episode. So yeah, do it, if, do yeah. it, do it, do it. Um, so as always, I am. Red Martinez. And I'm Ginger Gollum. Here's a bonus self-care tip. Go the fuck to sleep. And don't be this fucking guy. Peace. Peace.